Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Hemman. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel Ohio. Our text this morning is Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 21, and our message is entitled, Revealing the Unseen World. Revealing the unseen world. And so listen, uh, probably most of us in this room have felt the unseen world. You can feel it. (laughs) And uh, Daniel is going to show us what is going on all around us that you have felt and didn't quite know what was happening. So let's take a look together at Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. It begins... In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. That was his Babylonian name. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. Now, as we come to our passage here today in chapter 10, what we need to understand is actually chapter 10 and chapter 11 and chapter 12 are actually all one thought. So in the Hebrew text, that's all one big thought, but obviously we're not going to cover that much material. You guys would be here till dinner time with me, so I won't do that to you. But uh, <laughs> so I'll spit it out now. Chapter 10 is actually a setup for the, the prophecy that Daniel's going to receive and that we'll unpack in the future in Daniel 11 and Daniel chapter 12. And what Daniel sees in that prophecy, and he's seen it before, remember he's just getting more and more details to that great prophecy, but what he sees is a great time of persecution and tribulation that is going to come upon the nation of Israel. Verse 1 again. And the word was true, and it was a a great conflict, and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. Verse 2, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. That is ultimately here, Daniel, he's grieving. He's grieving over uh, his people. You know, he's grieving over the direction uh, of his nation. He's, he's grieving over what the next generation is going to have to face. And it's, it's, it's breaking his heart. And, and what he sees, what, what the Spirit has revealed to him, is it's going to get really, really bad for them until they repent and turn to Jesus. And so perhaps this morning, you know, <laughs> you, you might relate a bit to that sentiment. Anyone? I mean, fellow believers, I, 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 do, do we not grieve over the direction of our nation and, and how far we have drifted from the foundation of the faith that created the wealth of this nation, the prosperity of this nation. 
and, and we're fearful, right? We're, we're fearful for our kids. We're, we're fearful for our, our future. We're, we're, we're concerned. And, and, and don't, don't we wonder, and, and, and I wonder even for us as a church, what is it going to take? What does God have to allow us to go through until we actually turn, until we actually truly repent and make Jesus our Lord because somehow in America we have this easy believism. We have this thing that, that Jesus is the guy who helps me self-actuate. You know, that Jesus is the guy who helps me achieve my dreams. And I don't know where it's come from, but listen, we need to repent and come on our knees before God and ask for his blessing and power and grace so that we might walk through whatever comes our way, listen, not just surviving, but in the victory and strength of Jesus being light in the darkness. Because listen, this is what we are called to. We're not called to simply fail. We're called to overcome. And so the world is dark, but the church is, is on its knees in a bad way. If we were on our knees before the Lord, then we would be able to stand. So Daniel's grieving here. Verse 3. I ate no delicacies. No meat or wine entered my mouth. Nor did I anoint myself at all. For three full weeks. And so what we discover here is that Daniel not only mourned and prayed for three weeks, but he he fasted. And so fasting is a, a spiritual discipline that we see throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. Again, uh, the whole idea of godly discipline somehow lost in our church today. But it is very much a component of a follower of Jesus. And in fact, if, if we look at our nation and we look at our future and we grieve, then, then our best response to that is to be like Daniel, right? I mean, remember when we started this chapter that that Daniel, he separated himself out from Babylon. He, he separated himself out even from his fellow believers. He's like, I'm going that way even though Babylon is going that way. I, I'm living godly. And not only that, God, God empowered him. He spoke to power. He, he spoke truth to everyone. He was bold for God. And so he's living godly. He's speaking godly. Everybody else is going the other direction, but also it is all connected to his intimate relationship with God. It is all connected to how he spends his time with God, how, how he is on his knees praying for the power and presence of God to move in his life and to move in, in the people of God's life. And so our best response would be to, to follow the example of Daniel this is the way that the people of God have fought 
since the beginning of time. This is the way that the early church was built. And somehow, some way we, I don't know, read the book of Acts. Somehow we think that Jesus built his church differently today. He does not. For example, as we look at the book of Acts in Luke chapter 2, there's a lady by the name of Anna And it tells us that she was in the temple every day, that she was worshiping the Lord day and night by her prayer and fasting. And she was 84 years old. And she prayed and she fasted every day. And what she was praying for was the the promised Messiah to come to her people. Interestingly enough, by the way, Daniel, in our passage right here, He's 84. And listen, he is praying and fasting. He is going hard after the things of God, just like he did when we saw him in chapter 1 as a 16-year-old saying, listen, I'm going to stand for God. I'm not going to go along with the Babylonian diet, the Babylonian culture. Listen, I have determined to serve God and God alone. 16 84, still getting it done. In the book of Acts, we see the church of Antioch praying and fasting. And they're waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. And and they're seeking God diligently. They're earnestly gathering as a people. Listen, not just barely getting there on a Sunday morning. They are gathering, praying, and fasting for days because they truly see God's word and God's spirit as the answer to their problems. They truly believe that in and of themselves and their wealth and their ingenuity is not going to get it done. So they're praying and they're fasting and the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, listen, separate out Paul and Barnabas for the work. And so the Holy Spirit speaks directly to them. He, he guides them. He, he calls them. But we cannot miss this. He does so in response to the earnestness of their seeking. Or we remember that Jesus was on a mountain and he was transfigured with his before James and John and and Peter. And immediately following the transfiguration of Christ, they they come down the mountain and and they meet a man and his son who was demon-possessed. Remember that story? And so Christ then uh, speaks to this a demon within this little boy and, and he casts him out. But, but the disciples who weren't up on the mountain with Jesus, they're perplexed because they had tried to cast out the demon and they were not able to. And, and so Jesus comes down and he, he just speaks a word. And so after all that happens, 
The, the disciples, they, they huddle up with Jesus after that whole conflict, and they say, Lord, how come we were not able to cast out that demon? Because remember, Jesus had granted them power and authority, and they had already cast out many demons. By the way, in Christ, you have the same power and authority. Do you understand that, church? Ministry hasn't changed. Demons are alive and active. So they failed, and, and so they're like, Lord, I, I mean, you gave us your power. We, we tried, and it, it, it didn't happen. And so Jesus' response to them was this. That kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And so the question comes, well, when did Jesus fast? All the time. It was a lifestyle for him. And so listen, when the spiritual conflict came, when the battle was raging, Jesus had already fasted. And there was power attached to that. How? I, I don't think I can really tell you. But what I can tell you, because I practice fasting, what I can tell you in my very limited understanding is it helps us to crucify our flesh. Uh, listen, it, 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 it invigorates, it, it, it allows me to understand in, in a greater way my total dependence on God. It, it causes me to pursue him greater because there's just this constant, you know, you're, you're putting off the things of the flesh and it just, it heightens your awareness of spiritual realities. It heightens your awareness of what you should be praying into and, and leaning into. I can tell you that effect happens. But there's a greater power attached to it. It's reflected here. Jesus says it. Uh, I accept it. <laughs> Verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked and Behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist, and his body was like burl. That's a precious gemstone. It, it shimmers. That is, he's saying his, his body was shining, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. That is, Daniel is seeing here a vision of the pre-incarnate Christ. And we know this is a vision of Jesus because we have a parallel vision in Revelation chapter 1, and you can take a look at that later on your own if you desire Revelation 1, you can see that. But what's interesting to me here is that, you know, Daniel is about to have 
some revelation given to him. He's about to get more uh, prophetic uh, information about what is happening in the future and all of that. But before he receives all of that, the very first thing that happens is that he sees Jesus. And I love that. (laughs) I, I just totally love that because is not that the whole point of our seeking anyway? Church. I mean, we want more than the answer to our problem, do we not? We want more than than the provision that we're seeking because, listen, that's always changing, right? (laughs) What we need most of all is to see Jesus for who he really is. I mean, our hearts cry out like Moses in Exodus 33, 18. Please, Lord, show me your glory. That is, Lord, I need to see you most of all. My greatest need, your greatest need every moment is to see Jesus for who he really is. Because listen, when I see Jesus rightly, when you see Jesus rightly, then you see everything else in light of who he is. And that changes everything. Everything. Verse 7. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them. So they, they didn't see Jesus with their eyes, but they felt his presence. And they fled to hide themselves. Verse 8. So I was left alone and saw this great vision. Now, Daniel is going to tell us what this vision did to him physically, what, what effect it had upon him. And no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. That is, listen, Daniel is completely wiped out. His face turns pale. He hits the dirt, and the Lord ultimately touches him and puts him into a deep sleep. Verse 10, and behold. Now, we're going to see a shift here, and Jesus is actually going to send an angel to Daniel. And this angel is being sent by God with a message. He is coming in the appearance of a man because angels appear like us. And he is saying to Daniel, you are greatly loved. Now, if you've been with us in our study of Daniel, even though the angel's name is not said here, we know who this angel is, right? We know what his name is. His name is Gabriel. So this is Gabriel being sent by Jesus to Daniel. Verse 10 again. And behold, a hand, what? 
touch me. That is, God uses Gabriel to actually strengthen Daniel um, many times in this passage. That is, literally here, Daniel was touched by an angel. And so Gabriel ministers to Daniel. Now, we know that God still does this today, right? Did you know that? Hebrews 1.14 says this. Take a look on the screen. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? That is, listen, God still sends his angels to touch and to help you and me. That's as real as the chair that you're sitting on. Verse 10 again. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And, and he said to me, oh, Daniel, man, what? Greatly loved. There you go again. So Gabriel, you know, he, he told Daniel back in chapter 9, verse 23, you're, you're greatly loved. And he tells him here in verse 10, you're greatly loved. And we're going to see, he tells him a third time in verse 19, hey, Daniel, you're, you're greatly loved. And we unpacked this in detail last week, but suffice it to say, dads and moms, you cannot tell your kids enough that you love them, right? That you can never overdo that. And, and we have a good heavenly father, and listen, he tells us over and over again, you are greatly Love. I completely love you. I fully accept you. You can do nothing to earn or lose my love. I have chosen you in Christ. I have accepted you in Christ. Rest in my love for you. And I told you last week, listen, if the devil ever whispers to you or the pain of life dulls your sense of his love, look to the cross. God ha has driven a stake in the ground for us to look back at, that he has demonstrated his love for us once and for all, for listen, for all eternity. It it's a stake in the ground that says, God loves you. Romans 5.8 says this, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, still in our mess, not pursuing him, not cleaning our act up first, still sinners, Christ died for us. You are greatly loved by God. Do you understand what Christ did for you on that cross? 
He canceled the debt of your sin. He transferred you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Listen, in Christ, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You have God's divine power granted to you to accomplish whatever you need in this life. Listen, in Christ, you are justified, sanctified, glorified. In Christ, you have eternal life. Do you understand the the tremendous exchange that happened on the cross on your behalf? You were enemies. You were damned. You deserve hell. But now you're a child. You're an inheritor of everything that Jesus has. You're a partaker of his divine nature. You have everlasting life instead of everlasting death. Do you understand what transpired? Verse 10 again. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you. Stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. And so, you know, Daniel touches him again. He greets him. He, he lifts him up. Stand up now. Yeah, I'm ready to speak to you. Verse 12. Then he said to me, now Daniel, or I mean, Gabriel is going to explain to Daniel why he's come. And then he's going to tell him something else. He's going to tell him about some opposition that he faced on his way to see him. Verse 12, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been what? Heard, that is, listen, Daniel prayed and fasted for three weeks. But Gabriel tells him here, listen, the the moment that you inclined your heart, the moment that those words began to emerge from your lips, listen, God responded. Heaven responded to your prayer in that instant. And isn't that extremely encouraging, friends? That listen, when we just incline our heart to God, when we humble ourselves and we begin to lift up our prayer, listen, heaven responds in that moment. God hears and he moves in our direction every time. Verse 12 continues. And I have come because, because of your, what? Words. Now, I don't want us to pass over that too quick because this angel says, you know what? 
I was dispatched because of your words. That is once again, we're seeing in Daniel, we've made this point several times. Our prayers matter. That is, listen, it's not just a therapeutic exercise where we pray and we feel better. It is supernatural communication, supernatural warfare. This angel was dispatched because Daniel prayed. And we've made that point that, listen, God's sovereignty is not, you know, fatalism or determinism, but that God chooses to rule through free agents, through us who have free wills and through angels who have free wills. Our prayers matter. Our prayers cause God to move in certain ways and he weaves his sovereign plan to accomplish his good purpose in the end, but he uses us and we enter in or we don't enter in based upon what our choice is. Verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And so Gabriel comes and he tells Daniel, listen, something withstood me. And that something that withstood him, he refers to as the prince of Persia. And so Gabriel, a holy angel, is confronted by a fallen angel whose name is the prince of Persia. And there is a spiritual conflict that ensues. And that battle, that Conflict lasted 21 days until Michael showed up. And Michael is one of the chief princes of the holy angels. That is, Michael, the Bible tells us, is an archangel. You can see that in Jude 9 and Revelation 12. Michael's one of the top holy angels. In fact, if you want to think about, you know, uh, good and evil at the same level, Michael and Satan, same level. You understand that Satan's not equal to God, right? Michael and Satan, same level. Michael is a top angel, and so Michael comes to help Gabriel in his conflict with this fallen angel. Michael takes care of this demon, and Gabriel's able to continue on to bring his message to Daniel. And so here's what's amazing. God in his word just pulls back the curtain ever so slightly for you and I to see into the realm of the unseen and to understand what is happening in our lives, in our families, 
in our community, in our nation, in our world, what is really going on all the time? That is, listen, friend, there is way more happening than what you perceive. And though it's not a demon behind every corner, listen, sometimes that conflict with your spouse, there's more going on. Sometimes that rebellion with your child, there's more going on. Sometimes that frustration with your business, there's more going on, especially if you're trying to honor God with it. There is way more happening than what we perceive. And so often we simply address things in the natural. But the reality is that there's heavenly artillery going across this room right now. Right now. And with our kids. Scare you? Good. Good. And there are good angels and there are bad angels right here in this room right now. And they are talking to you. And they are giving you thoughts. They are pulling your hearts different directions. They are doing everything they can to get you not to receive this word and to not focus on Jesus and follow him fully. And you think it's just you. You think it's just your thoughts. And that is the deception of the enemy. It's not always you talking. You understand the devil talks in your own voice to you often. He, he can talk in a different voice, but oftentimes that self-talk in your head, that none of it's positive, all of it's destructive, where do you think that comes from? It's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and so ultimately, what we see here revealed as well is that when it comes to holy angels, when it comes to fallen angels, because we understand that fallen angels used to be holy angels. So when it comes to angels, there are rankings there, there are powers, there are authorities, there's stronger angels and less stronger angels. There's generals and lieutenants and foot soldiers, and they have different assignments. And Paul reveals this to us as well in Ephesians 6, 12. Take a look on the screen. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That is, we can't see things just according to the natural for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, over the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Do we understand, friends, what is really going on? 
on. And do you understand that Satan's MO is this? He is a thief who has come to steal, kill, and destroy you. And listen, even if he can't have you because you belong to Christ, he will still try to destroy you and everything that you love. Do we truly understand? Do we see it clearly so that we're standing in truth, so that we're protecting the ones that we love, and we're not just living for ourselves and kind of blindly going through life, trying to get a new car, get a new house, go on a great vacation? Not bad things. If God blesses you, don't, 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 don't misunderstand. But as soon as I say that, I get afraid because that's ultimately what people live for. And then they say they love Jesus, but it, it's, you, you got you, you to right the ship. You got to put Jesus first. And if he blesses you with that, then great. Do we see what's truly going on? Do, do we truly want to defend and win the souls of our kids. Do we? And so there are different rankings and different assignments. And here we see that there's a prince that is, his assignment is over Persia. He's the top demon over Persia. He's got some underlings under him, but he's the top dog. He's the one who is controlling and influencing the rulers over that kingdom, uh, influencing and controlling the education system, the culture, the worship. And so we know, friends, we know that there are demons assigned to the United States. There are demons assigned to Ohio. There are demons assigned to Minerva. There are demons assigned to you and me. And they have an assignment. And they'll use whatever means it takes to blind your eyes to the truth and to keep you from fully pursuing Jesus. And there's a million different ways that he does it. it the devil knows our weakness as well. He's been doing it for centuries. So whatever, whatever weakness you have, that's what he'll exploit. It's interesting. I've lived in a lot of different places in the United States. I think where we moved, babe, what, 12 or 13 times? <laughs> you know, fun. I love moving. Um, I hate it. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm from Idaho. So I, I can tell you who the chief fallen angel over Idaho and Utah is, or at least one of them. I, I can tell you its name. The chief fallen angel over Idaho and Utah is an angel by the name of Moroni. And that angel sits on top of every Mormon temple out there. And if you are a spirit-filled Christian and you live for any amount of time in that area, you will feel the darkness of that demon around you. You will feel the presence. And listen, if you're full of the Spirit, you're full of the Word, then you know you've encountered people. You feel the darkness on them. You can walk in a home and not 
not know what's going to be, you can feel something's off. So you, you just know. You, you can walk into certain neighborhoods. You, you can feel the darkness. I, I've walked into some churches and felt that presence. I want to say something else to those of us who are believers, and that is this. Um, We can open up doors to demons in our lives, in our families. And we need to be seriously, diligently taking care of those doors, shutting them, so that we don't give an opportunity for the devil to come in because of our disobedience. So listen, uh, the Bible says that unresolved anger, you angry with somebody? You haven't dealt with it fully? Fully? Like, well, when do you deal with it fully? When, When you can pray God's blessing over that person and it doesn't hurt you and you're sincere about it, that's when you know you released it. Well, they don't deserve it. Yeah, you're right. You don't deserve to be saved either. Unresolved anger, bitterness, open door for demons into your life, into your family. You're saying, devil, come on in. I, I, I don't, I don't want to resolve this. It's too hard. I, I want to stay mad. I, they don't deserve... Keep the door open. You disobey your father. Unforgiveness. Open door. Or here's one. It's coming up, October. <laughs> Anything to do with the occult. Open door. And listen, you know, Disney's into it now. You know, witchcraft is, I mean, it's just, there's so many onboarding things uh, uh, given to kids. Video games, videos on Netflix, whatever. I mean, it's just everywhere. Anything to do with the occult, even if it's in the form of Disney, is an open door. It's an on-ramp. The Ouija board. Do not play around with that. That thing is, uh, is, is popularized everywhere. I know it's all over TikTok. Open door. Open door to demons in your life. Listen, past immoral relationships. Listen, if if you had an immoral relationship with someone who was full of a demon and you united with that person, open door. Pornography, open door. And listen, you, you may not be filled with the demon every time you do something like that, but it's an open door. You are giving permission to the devil to enter into your life and enter into the life of your family. You're... you're You're laying down the red carpet for them. Eastern meditation, yoga, open door. Those things are designed to worship demons. Again, it might not happen every time. Open door. Abuse of alcohol, drug abuse, 
Like, that's totally in. Man, because of the depression issues and the anxiety issues, we're now turning to psychedelic drugs that, listen, people are encountering demons all over the place. And we're calling it mental health. Are you kidding me? Open door. Don't, don't, don't do that. Listen, you're, you're just basically saying, come on in, thief. Come, come kill, steal, and destroy. Obey Christ. Get your life in order. Obey what his word says. Forgive, release, shut the door. It will destroy you. And listen, so many people have demons and they don't even know it. But that's why they wrestle so much with darkness. And that's why they don't change. It's not just your flesh. Sometimes it is. Oftentimes there's more going on. At least that's what I've found out in my life. Verse 13. Again, prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. That is, before we move on, I did want to make this point, and that is, first of all, we don't want to uh, underestimate the enemy that we face. That's, That's a dangerous thing to do. But we also don't want to overestimate the enemy that we face, that, that we understand that we have power over Satan in Christ. So you, you hear me just unveiling that? I, I, I hope you're scared. That's good in, in a healthy way. But what I want you to hear as well is that we have power over our enemy in Christ. When, when we stay in him, nothing to fear. We have victory in Christ. The Bible says when Jesus died... He conquered principalities and powers and put them to open shame. He made a public spectacle of them. And so listen, we only lose the battle when we step away from truth and we embrace a lie. We only lose the battle when we step away from truth and we listen to a lie. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5, take a look on the screen, tells us this. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. Did you hear that, church? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so did you notice there that the main spiritual battle takes place in your mind? We take every thought captive to obey 
Christ. Verse 13 again. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, what? 21 days. That is, I wanted us to know the direct correlation between how long Daniel fasted and prayed, three weeks, that is, 21 days. That wasn't a trick question. <laughs> and how long it took for the angelic victory, which was 21 days. That is, if Daniel would have stopped on the 18th day, guess what? His answer would not have come. And so, my friends, that is very sobering to you and I. And what it instructs us is this. We need to pray it through. We need to pray it through. That is why Jesus told us, listen, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. And then Jesus gives this parable about this persistent widow who will not quit until she gets what she wants. Pray it through. Pray it through. Pray it through. Verse 13 again. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for the days yet to come. And that's the vision he's going to give us in chapter 11. So we'll see that next week. Verse 15. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. <laughs> that is, he's, he was speechless. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. And then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Has the weight of the spiritual battle in life ever knocked the breath out of you? It's like, man, I don't even want to talk. Like, how are you doing? I don't even want to talk. I don't even have the energy to say. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And so again, we see the Lord touching and strengthening Gabriel just to take the next step, touches him just so he can take the next step and and he's just feeling the weight of revelation. He's feeling the weight of the spiritual conflict that he's in as well. And so I just want to say to you this morning, listen, the Lord will strengthen you as well. The Lord will touch you as well. You are here so that he might strengthen you. Listen, his grace is sufficient for whatever it is you have to face. 
You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Listen, believe his word to you and you will feel his presence and his power to walk forward. Verse 19, and he said, O man, greatly love, fear not, and peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. He's talking about another demon, the one over Greece. We'll see him next week. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And so we learn here basically that the battle goes on. (laughs) Anyone? That is until Jesus returns. And in one word, evil will be vanquished, friends, and everything we wish could be and should be here, it will be forevermore. Well, take a look at verse 19 real quick before you pack up on me. Verse 19, one more time. And he said, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And so listen, I would just say this to you this morning, friends. You are greatly loved. Fear not. Peace, God's peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. Listen, you are greatly loved. 1 John 4.1 says that perfect love casts out fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that for God gave us not a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and self-control. Listen, fear not. Peace be with you. Do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, you are greatly loved. Fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. Heaven is with you and for you. God is on your side. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.